Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence. The best of Easter begins with a full honey-baked spread. Mm. It's the thing that brings flavor to all the fun and festivities. Ooh. The bites that make all your guests grateful that Easter's here a little early this year. Enjoy the sweet and crunchy glaze of Honey Bake's bone-in half ham, mouth-watering sides, and desserts. Mm. And make this year's Easter the best-tasting one yet. Cheers. Every bite is a celebration with the Honey Baked Ham Company. You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. Right, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Is we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State! Welcome in to the latest episode of that. SEC podcast brought to you by my boogie. I'm your host Michael Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter and I'm flying solo this edition. Shane had to work a little late. Nothing's wrong there. Just he wasn't able to make it. So that's going to happen from time to time. So hey, I'm kicking back a cold one for old cousin Shane. (laughs) Oh, that's good. This episode drinking Golden Road Brewing Mango Cart Wheat Ale. Used to live out in Los Angeles. Golden Road was my go-to brewery. I nearly shed a tear the day I found out Golden Road came all the way to Nashville, Tennessee. So anybody uh, in the big cities around here, especially Nashville, you head down to Kroger, Publix, all those, they've got it. So Golden Road Brewing, can't recommend that stuff enough. But uh, enough beer talk, let's get into SEC action. And uh, we got a little bit of news around the league, but before we get into that, I mean, this is uh, already the NFL season has not yet begun, but our guy Joe Burrow named a team captain, if anybody missed it, there in Cincinnati, the number one overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft. He's going to be a team captain before he ever starts his first game with the Bengals. And he met with the media here on Wednesday, asked about the toughest hit he's ever taken. Remember the biggest hit you've ever taken before? Do you remember it? it? No, I won't give anybody that satisfaction. How great is that from Joe Burrow, an all-timer here at uh, LSU? And speaking of LSU, got to mention this. The uh, the Tigers finally announced stadium attendance capacity at 25% for Tiger Stadium to start the season. Unfortunately, no tailgating there on campus. Good luck with that one, brothers. <laughs> How are you going to keep all LSU fans from partying up in Baton Rouge? I have no idea, and I... 
I hope and pray for those people that try to stop them because the party is going to live on. That we have no doubt. Obviously, LSU opens the season at home against Mississippi State. That's going to be the CBS game. It's going to be weird as hell to see that thing. 25% capacity. I still hope everybody that makes it to that game has a hell of a time because, man, it's, I can't imagine what it's going to be like uh, celebrating the champions there in Baton Rouge. But it doesn't matter how many people are in the stadium. I'm sure it's going to be fun outside whether or not they allow tailgating or not. They're, it's Here's the funny thing. They're allowing people to party outside their vehicle. And it says, with family and people they came with. So, <laughs> good luck, like I said, trying to stop that party. It's going down in Baton Rouge. I can't wait for it. But, uh, hey, that's enough uh, of the opening. Let's go around the league. Now let's go now around, let's the go around the league. My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think, I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, let's uh, start things off here in Tuscaloosa where Nick Saban recently met with the media and I thought he had some interesting things to say and, you know, one of the things that, uh, obviously, if you're listening to this show, you know that I'm big on the fact that every time we hear something out of one of these players or coaches down in Alabama, it's all about last year's 11-2 and disappointing season and how they're going to get that corrected. And I thought Saban hit on a really interesting point here. During uh, Saturdays, they didn't want to call it a scrimmage, but it's kind of half practice, half scrimmage, really focused on two-minute situations, situational football, as Saban likes to call it. That really killed Alabama last year against LSU the end of the first half. LSU went on a tear, and it, I mean, the game was over at halftime. I don't care how close the final score was. Everybody knew the Tigers were going to win that one. And then same thing in the Iron Bowl. I mean, Alabama, as Saban gets to here, scored, Auburn scored 10 points at the end of that first half, and those are huge points. Those were crucial toward the outcome of the game. So those are the things they're working on down in Tuscaloosa. Saban was also... Uh, asked about his quarterbacks, and then finally the uh, experience of his linebackers. Last year, obviously, that was a huge issue for the Crimson Tide, having to play so many freshmen at that linebacker spot. Now they got, now they're all sophomores. Of course, they're getting Dylan Moses back, and hell, the, all the buzz out of Tuscaloosa is Will Anderson, a guy that was on our freshman list. Sounds like he is the real deal. So uh, Saban's pretty fired up about his linebackers. And, you know, one of the things that we're really trying to focus on now is situational football. I create a lot more situational awareness uh, of, you know, things that we do. We did a sort of a sim – it wasn't a scrimmage. It was just a regular practice. But it was a simulated game on Saturday in the stadium, you know, so that players would get used to substitution, situations in the game, uh, signaling, um, you know, communicating without the coaches being out there. So um, we're going to continue to do that. Obviously, we're going to have a second scrimmage, you know, this weekend. Um, 
and we're going to emphasize even more situations. Um, today, we had two minutes before the half. You know, two minutes before the half was a bad thing. LSU scored 14 points in the last two minutes of the half, and Auburn scored 10. So um, th th those, those are the kind of things that the players have to really understand. You know, not only are we trying to score right, in that situation, but we can't give the other team the ball back so they get a chance to score. Hey, Coach, you mentioned how you guys have done a lot of game-like situations. Just how have you seen your quarterbacks kind of handle that, and, and maybe what do you want to see them do a little better moving forward? Well, I, 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 um, I think that they've done a, a good job. Uh, I think Mac has had a really good week this week. Um, had a really good day on Saturday. Um, and uh, maybe, you know, not quite as what we'd want in the first scrimmage. Uh, but a lot of guys didn't, you know, play as well as we'd like in the first scrimmage. But we made a huge improvement to the next Saturday, and hopefully we'll make another big jump this Saturday. Uh, I think Bryce is showing uh, he's a very talented guy. Uh, he just got to get more knowledge and experience to, you know, be able to be a little more consistent in terms of his execution. And, you know, Paul has uh, made a significant amount of improvement as well. So, um, you know, we're... We're going to keep working with them. Um, if they were where they needed to be, we wouldn't need to practice anymore. And I promise you, we, we all need to practice. I'm just curious about the defense and, and having the experience back with Dylan and Josh, how, how that made a difference defensively for you. Well, I, I think the front seven, uh, I see improvements in the front seven, um, just with the leadership, you know, that Dylan gives us. And, um, you know, I think he's, you know, playing his way back into shape and developing confidence and uh, going out there, not worried about getting injured and, you know, doing the things that he needs to do to create value for himself. And, um, you know, in the secondary, uh, because of the lack of experience that we have, we, you know, we continue to work with players and try to get them to communicate a little bit better. Um, but I do think that um, I'm encouraged by, you know, the way we're playing up front. Um, but... You know, we got we, we, we to get a lot better in a lot of situations on defense. You know, can't give up big plays. Got to do a better job on third down. Uh, guys got to be attacking the ball. We got to get turnovers. I mean, there's just so many areas that we need to make progress in. And, um, you know, too many mental errors last year were really detrimental in our ability to be successful, especially in big games when we needed to. And uh, we're also going to have to uh, – you know, do a better job in uh, everybody learning how important it is to do their job so that we have a better chance to be successful on a more consistent basis. All right, so I think it's safe to say if uh, Alabama and Crimson, if the Crimson Tide, you know, get this situational issue solved, I mean, they're going to be tough to beat, obviously. They're, they're already tough to beat. Hell, they hardly ever lose a damn game. They lose two. It's the sky's falling in Tuscaloosa. So, uh, you know, that's interesting to hear from Nick Saban, I think. I think that's crucial for what that program needs to get going in the right direction. All right, let's skip it on down to Columbia, South Carolina. I caught a little flack for having Jordan Birch, the five-star true freshman solo on my uh, impact list for a true freshman in the SEC in 2020. It's nothing against him. I think he's going to have a hell of a career. But even better than my advice, we got uh, Mike Peterson here, South Carolina assistant coach, was asked about Jordan Birch on Wednesday and my god you know he didn't say this guy's like automatic day one starter but I think it's quite clear from everything coach Peterson has to say here 
that Jordan Birch is unlike any other player they got on that defense in, in a lot of ways. And I know they've got a really good unit, but if this kid is ready to come in, ready to play day one, maybe we give a completely different outlook to this South Carolina defense if he's a you know, it'd probably be unfair to call him the next Javon Kinlaw right out the door. You know, he'll probably be that a year or two away, but maybe not immediately with given, you know, the short offseason and everything. But uh, let's just kick it over here to Coach Mike Peterson here. I mean, he just touted up this, this guy like you'd expect from the five-star player. A lot of Gamecock fans obviously interested in Jordan Birch, a, a local kid, and, and highly touted. Just mm-hmm. what have you seen uh, from him and from, uh, physically and, and how he dominated the high school kids and making that transition now to the, to the SEC ball? I know one thing. When he hop off the bus, he's going to be a pretty, pretty ball player. He looks good, man. But um, he, he has it all. He's fast. He's strong. Um, he, you know, the thing I probably like the most about him is he's really coachable. You know, I can get on him. You know, a lot of times, you know, those highly recruited guys, you know, they, they come in and, and haven't been coached in high school or they, they haven't been, you know, the coach haven't really got on him. You know, I'm, I'm able to get on him just like I can get on the rest of the guys. And, and he accepted. He's actually, he excelled when I get on him a little more. So I'm thrilled about him. Um, he's out there running around. You know, right now my job is to, to shorten the learning curve for him and get him, to, get him ready to play on Saturday and help us. Couple of younger guys, uh, uh, Joe Anderson or Rod Fitton, those guys. Where, where do you see them coming along, and, and how's their progress going? Well, they're doing good in camp. You know, it, it's, it's a day-to-day process with those guys. They haven't played a lot of football, but I think their better days are when they get a chance to get out there and, and go through the motions. You know, we, we you know, unfortunately with the pandemic and, and everything that went on, we had to do a lot of Zoom meetings. So I haven't had a, a lot of chance to get out with that, those guys and, and play football. So I think the more they get out there and, and practice and play ball. Their better days are ahead of them. So like I said, you want to take Coach Peterson's advice way over mine when we're talking about the impact Jordan Birch is going to have. But you can just hear it from him there. I mean, they are just fired up to have this guy and thinking about what he can do on Saturdays. Now, it, it is interesting, you know, that he's talking about he's one of those players that get off the bus and you just intimidate the hell out of the opponent. Not that that's a bad thing. Clearly, that's what you want. You want your entire football team to be looking like that. But it's one thing to show up and look the part. It's another to put it together on the field. So that's going to be the challenge during this camp at South Carolina. And I certainly hope Jordan Birch makes those strides so that we can see that big impact that he makes uh, on the South Carolina Gamecock defense this year. All right, now's a great time to remind the audience we're brought to you by my bookie, the online sports book. MyBookie.ag, head on over to that site. All new users, sign in with the promo code THATSEC, that's T-H-A-T-S-E-C. Head on over to MyBookie.ag. New customers receive 100% deposit match up to $1,000. So that means you put in $1,000. That means all new customers using the promo code THATSEC, they'll match your initial deposit. You put in $1,000. You'll walk away with 2000 immediately to bet on. We got UAB Miami here on Thursday. We got some NFL action. I think it's Houston Texans, Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, you can bet on any and all of these games over at mybookie.ag using that promo code, that SEC. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, UFC, and of course, college football. We're going to be breaking down those picks we're going to give you actually educated picks on these uh, sec picks but uh, hell i mean the only thing better than college football is uh, drinking and gambling on it too so head on over to my bookie using that promo code that sec today 
All right, let's kick it down to Mississippi State next. Where we got to hear from defensive coordinator Zach Arnett recently. And, you know, it's probably overly simplistic to just say that uh, the fate of this Mississippi State team is in the hands of Zach Arnett and how well he can do. But, you know, I think that's a safe assumption to make given that we know what Mike Leach is going to do with the offense. And now they got K.J. Costello and Will Rogers, Garrett Schrader. I mean, hell, they're going to have a couple of guys they can count on the quarterback position. Certainly sounds like the receivers are emerging. Uh, they got Kylan Hill, maybe the best running back in the SEC. They've added uh, Scott Lashley in the graduate transfer portal, so they got some tackles they can count on. So Mississippi State offense should be pretty solid this year. Maybe I'm betting against my uh, <laughs> what I just said there on the importance of Zach Arnett, but he will have a huge impact, no mistake. And you know they're bringing him in here because he runs a unique three-three-five defense. You're not going to see a lot of that in the SEC at this time, and that could benefit Mississippi State the fact that uh, these offenses this is not going to be a typical unit that they see of course we see more 3-4-4-3 nickel defenses in the SEC so this is kind of a hybrid defense but Zach Arnett not not necessarily pleased with uh, you know his defense he's not been that way basically the entire camp and he didn't really temper that down here during his recent press conference he kind of I wouldn't say talked him down, but he just doesn't sound very happy, and maybe that's where you want your coach to be, you know, when he's just wanting his team to get better. But uh, let's kick it over to Zach Arnett, who kind of gives his summation of the progress made there in Starkville. He says they're making progress, but maybe not very happy at the linebacker position outside of Errol Thompson. And uh, he kind of gives some insight into what he is looking for from his Mississippi State defense. Coach, when we first talked to you, you were pretty blunt in talking about how your team was not really ready for what you wanted them to be. After one scrimmage, do you feel better about where your team is now? I'll put it bluntly. Do I feel a little better? Yes. Are we there? No. Coach, linebackers, you've got some numbers, but outside of Errol, not a lot of SEC experience as far as snaps goes. How pleased are you with those guys right now, and where would you say they are as far as shaking out a depth chart? Uh, I'll put it as I'm not pleased enough. I mean – uh, you know, like you said, Errol's got all the SEC experience in the world. Um, but, but other than that, we need guys to step up and perform like veterans who, who don't yet have that experience. And so obviously uh, we're pushing them hard and really leaning on Errol to, to hold them accountable and get them, get them going because uh, this defense is our, – our scheme will not be successful if we don't get good linebacker play, quite frankly. And so those guys know it. They've been hearing in the meeting room that, that hey, first scrimmage down, yeah, we didn't make a whole lot of assignment errors, but we didn't make nearly enough plays for what, what the linebackers need to, need to make in this defense. And so the pressure's on them. We better see marked improvement this next week. Zach, when you say the defense isn't quite where you want them to be, do you see that as, is it an effort thing? Is it a not understanding the scheme? I guess what, what do you kind of pinpoint as sort of the next step or in sort of moving toward what you do want to see out of this group? Well, quite frankly, right, the job, the job of defense is to keep them out of the end zone. And so if, if you give up points, you're, you're not successful enough. Um, now, I don't, I don't mean to say that as, right, a shutout is the only acceptable outcome. I'm not saying that. And, but, you know, if you make assignment errors, if you're misaligned, typically those are the things that lead to big plays. Every now and then, right, Fade's going to be thrown up. Receiver makes a catch over corners in good position, or you know, running back 
breaks a couple tackles. They, they got really good players on the other side of the ball too now, right? Everyone you're going against got scholarship players. So teams are going to make some plays. But if you're giving up plays that lead to points because you're you're misaligned or you're doing the wrong thing, you just got a flat-out assignment error, well, th those are the things that lead to really bad defense and get you beat in a hurry. And so we've got to eliminate those. And then when you eliminate those, now it comes down to, all right, are you able to make more plays than the opponent? Right? They're going to make some plays. You're going to make some plays. Who's going to play harder, longer, and come out on top and make the, make the crucial play in the end? So what I know from a Zach Arnett defense, one thing actually he didn't hit on here, I mean, all he makes great points here, but the other key issue that uh, they're going to really hone in on here at Mississippi State with his defense is forcing turnovers. Uh, so, I mean, he did talk a little bit about getting to the quarterback and everything, but that's kind of what Mike Leach is looking for from his defensive coordinator. He knows that his offense, a lot of times, is not going to, you know, it's a misconception that Mike Leach uh, offense is just out on the field and, and in a flash and then they're off and leaving the defense out to dry because it was just a couple, I think it was two seasons ago, Washington State was, I believe, second in the Pac-12, maybe even first in time of possession. So uh, they know how to eat the clock if they need to. That's not the issue. But for what Mike Leach is looking for is a defensive coordinator that can steal him some possessions, get force those turnovers, however he's got to do it, and obviously keep the other offense in check because Mike Leach's offense can only do so much. You're not going to score 50 or 60 a game in the SEC, particularly not until he's got all his players in there that he recruited, you know. So uh, I think if Mississippi State, if they could average, you know, 30, 35 points a game next year, I think you'd certainly take that given what we've seen the last couple of years. Now uh, the defense has got to get a lot better if Mississippi State's going to, compete for the SEC West title. So that's kind of seems like the standard Zach Arnett's got here. And at least if uh, you're a Mississippi State fan, at least you can appreciate the fact that guys, you know, fully invested in getting this unit where he wants it to be. And they're far from it, it sounds like, by based on what Coach Arnett has to say, uh, just had to say here in his mo most recent press conference. Uh, next, let's kick it down to Athens. Where we got to uh, hear from a guy we rarely get to hear from, but... That's Georgia running back coach Dale McGee, one of the best recruiters in the entire nation. This guy just locks down five-star after five-star for the Bulldogs. And, hell, we know um, Georgia's or annually got some of the best running backs in the nation. They've got that again. So he kind of talks up James Cook and Zamir White. And don't forget Kendall Milton, number one running back in the nation, according to some services. Out of California, they got him too over many, many SEC competitors. So uh, Georgia's going to be loaded at the running back position once again with Coach McGee leading that charge there. And I thought it would be kind of cool to just hear from Coach McGee because we just don't get it that often. And uh, he was obviously very high on his running backs. But, you know, it kind of made me realize we're talking so much about Jamie Newman, JT Daniels, Dewan Mathis, and Stetson Bennett and all these guys. We're probably focusing on the wrong position group there in Georgia because, you know, considering the new offensive line, new system, and I don't want to say questionable receivers because they've, they've got plenty of talent there, but outside of George Bickens, I don't know who he can count on right away to be, you know, a, a standout performer at the SEC level. So Georgia's probably not going to air it out. I mean, as much as uh, the Bulldog fans want that to be the case immediately, they may be that by the end of the season. 
But I think early on, given all these uh, tough defenses they're going to be facing, and hell, they got probably the best defense in the nation already. So you don't, you're not going to want to put them in uh, disadvantage positions. I really don't think. I don't know. Just be stupid. I mean, that's the way Georgia could cost itself games if they're throwing all these picks. So I think uh, maybe we've been focusing on this the wrong way. Uh, I've talked up Zamir White previously on this show, and the more I hear from him, the more I think he's going to have a huge year. We may be sleeping on his Heisman chances here. So uh, let's kick it over to Del McGee, who he talks about Zamir White and everything he's come uh, battled back from, and then he closes on a really good note here. Uh, about the running backs this year, uh, you've uh, obviously been doing this for a long time. I, I, I'm just, where do you think this groups, uh, have you had a transition that I guess is as significant as this? Because it seems like almost every year you've been around, there was a guy that was pretty clear he was going to be the successor. Certainly we all feel like Zeus is that guy, but it seems like more of a complete overhaul maybe than you've had is is that true or how do you assess what you're having to figure out to get on the field uh first off i think we have a great room uh all of our guys are very very talented uh they all bring certain qualities to the game of football uh losing deandre swift was a a big loss but we definitely have five guys that are capable and will do a good job this year Good, man. How much easier does it make your job knowing that, you know, these days it it seems like you don't see a lot of running backs coming in feeling like they've got to be the guy and understand that the sharing the wealth is actually a good thing as far as the future goes? Uh, it's definitely a good thing. It's definitely a philosophy of ours. Uh, we feel like the more guys that we can play to keep our running backs fresh, they're able to be more explosive, uh, have less mental breakdowns, and they're able to assess the game and stay involved in the game and uh, execute at a high level when their number is called. So it definitely benefits us having a, mul- a multitude of guys. And uh, like I say, reliability and accountability is a, a big factor. And I feel very confident with this group. One, if you just kind of just speak to uh, the work that Zamir has put in over the last two years to come back from the uh, – two ACL surgeries and just what kind of inspirations he's been not only to you but the rest of the players? I mean, first off, Zamir's a great kid, uh, you know, had some tough upbringings throughout his life and he's been an overcomer and uh, that's the expectation. Uh, he's never down. He's, he's always uh, very upbeat. Uh, and like I say, his, his hard work has been uh, recognized by his, his peers as, as along with the coaching staff. Uh, so just much love for Zamir and the way he's embraced, uh, you know, two knee injuries. That's, that's a very tough, tough feat to overcome. But, uh, you know, he's a, he's a spiritual person and uh, has all the faith in the world and our training staff. And he has faith in himself as well. So expecting a lot of big things out of him this year. Looking back on the Sugar Bowl, do you think there's anything that Zamir, James, and Kenny picked up preparing for that game without DeAndre being as big of a factor and Harry and being there? Uh, like I said, our guys prepare uh, each and every week like they're the guy, and that's the expectation. So preparation in the Sugar Bowl wasn't any different than preparation for any other game. So uh, the op- only thing is their opportunity came, and they actually showed exactly why they're here. And, and uh, like I said, I, lo- I love my room. I love my guys, and uh, they're going to be 
uh, a force to be reckoned with this year. All right, so how could you not get fired up listening to Coach McGee there talking about uh, his Georgia running backs? But, uh, yeah, I just think that, you know, it just made me think, listening to this guy, that I think we've been focusing on the wrong position group there at Georgia, and the quarterback situation will work itself out. And, hell, the Bulldogs just better be glad that, you know, they they landed JT Daniels. He got his waiver, and DeJuan Mathis is back to fully healthy. And uh, whoever it's going to be, they're going to – I don't think they're going to necessarily lean on that quarterback and they're going to be talented enough to, to lead Georgia to a ton of wins this year because this team's just too talented to, uh, you know, not be in the mix for the SEC championship and a college football playoff berth. All right, skip it down to Columbia, Missouri. M-I-Z! Last team around the league here, but uh, Coach Drinkowitz met with the media here recently and Man, he was uh, the biggest story there was they had a bunch of guys out for uh, COVID and, and quarantine and injury and all this. So they, they don't get into the specifics, obviously. So uh, they were still able to practice. It was, it's not that bad. It's not as bad as, you know, some of these cases we've seen around. But apparently this was the worst they've had at Missouri thus far. But not a huge red flag or anything. But that was just most of the questions Coach Drink got. So not a lot to uh, get from Coach Drinkowitz here. But I just thought this was hilarious. He was asked about the safety duo down there in Columbia, and uh, given his response, it seems like he's got nothing to do with the defense down there. <laughs> he's like the new Spurrier, baby, so uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, he really did bring up a good point on how the format of camp is unique, and we've already started to see that with uh, the Navy-BYU game that Shane and I talked about previously. Navy just looked all out of sorts in that one, and Coach Drinkowitz, uh, he doesn't necessarily reference that, but uh, some of what he's talking about I think could apply to that, and it's something we need to take into consideration for this upcoming SEC season. Yeah, Eli, I was just wondering, what's, uh, what do you think the ceiling is for the safety duo of Ty- Tyree Gillespie and uh, Josh Bloodsoff? I have no idea. I uh, guess high. Okay. Hey, Eli, um, I was curious, just with the schedule and everything, you, you have a little bit more off days in a typical year. Uh, I was just curious, um, do guys seem a little fresher? Are you, are you kind of able to get more out of each individual practice just because there's no, like, burnout or anything? I don't know. You know, football is one of those, those games that you like. It, <clears throat> it requires some consistency. <clears throat> Sorry. It requires some consistency. And uh, I don't necessarily like, you know, the fact that we practice Saturday and we don't get to go again until Tuesday and we got to take a Thursday off. And you know, we only had 25 days or, of practice over, I think, a 41 or 42-day period. So it's unlike any fall camp. Normally, you, over 29 days, you get 25 practices. And so you get that routine. You get to, to string good days together. And so this is unique. It's unique for everybody. Uh, you know, nobody's ever prepared like this before. But I, I, I think there's some frustration uh, in the fact that, you you know, you can't go out there and string good days together and you watch practice like, you know, three or four days ago and, and then you're coming back to correct it on Tuesday. And, you know, are you moving on? Are you working on those same things? So it, it's interesting for sure. All right. So, you know, we've applauded the SEC for extending camp just to get it in because we knew there was going to be days they couldn't go and all this, and that's turned out to be the case. But as Coach Drink mentions here, 
you know, it's unique. It's a, it's a challenge. It's not something he's used to. It's not something he likes. I would assume most of the coaches are that way. It's so many days off. Are you really getting in shape for the season? I don't know. I mean, hopefully that's not the case. That's another beauty of the SEC kicking this thing back where they get to see, oh, hell, we don't want to be Navy. We don't want to be embarrassed on national television and, and have all this occur. So uh, maybe they get a little bit more physical in these practices, if possible. You know, I mean, sometimes, hell, if uh, half your team's out for whatever reason, injuries or quarantine, you can't do it, obviously. But that's something to consider, something to put back in our mind as we try to figure out what in the hell is going to happen this SEC season that, uh, like Shane and I keep saying, I mean, this is setting up to be one of the wildest, wackiest SEC football seasons ever, and I just can't wait for it. All right, guys, so that's all I got on this episode. Like I said, Cousin Shane will be back on the next one. Thank God you don't have to listen to me spiel here. Hopefully he's got a beer lined up, and he'll be reading them five-star reviews. So if you made it this far, if you wouldn't mind just going a step further, giving us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts, that really does help the show grow. And uh, we'll send you a free koozie, a beer koozie free of charge for each and every one of you that does that. So uh, as long as you just send that on over to us, uh, uh, Twitter, Reddit, uh, we're on Instagram. We got the email, of course, that secpodcast at gmail.com. But any avenue is fine. Uh, it's all the same to us. So just want to say thanks for tuning in, everybody. By the time you're listening to this, we'll have game days here on Thursday evening, getting fired up for UAB Miami on ACC Network. I had to look it up. I didn't even know if I had that damn station. ACC Network's not one I normally turn to, but hey, I'll do what I can during these desperate times of uh, no college football. And that's, I think it's 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central Time. So cheers to everybody. I know I'm going to be kicking back some cold ones watching that one, but uh, I can't wait for it. And we're less than two, no, no, we're a little bit over two weeks away from SEC football. I can't wait for it, but uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll catch you on the next one.